Hey guys, good afternoon. This is Pastor Faber McMullen. And this is Sandy McMullen. And we are so glad to be with you today. And today, if you would, please get your Bible and open up to Galatians chapter 6. That's what we're studying. Believe it or not, we're, we're getting ready to finish the book of Galatians. I think we've been in Galatians for what? Several couple, weeks. Or maybe a couple of months even. So, uh, we're going to go ahead and start off. Sandy's going to open us in prayer, and then uh, I'm going to grab my coffee, and then we're going to read our scriptures. So, Sandy, please open us in a word of prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for giving us Paul, who takes Jesus' words and shows us how to live out in practical ways with them in our lives. Lord, I pray that you'll take the teachings that we have today and you'll apply it to all of our hearts, Faber and me included, so that we can bring joy to you, so that we can become more like you every day, Lord, every step that we take. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, uh, the big, big themes of the day that at least I can see are that, you know, you, whatever a man sows, that he'll reap. And we think of that usually in terms of, oh, yeah, if you sow bad stuff, Sandy, we think, then you're going to reap bad stuff. But it also is just talking about a principle, even if you sow, you sow good stuff. You reap good stuff. And the second thing that Paul's going to tell us in this chapter is don't grow weary of doing good because we grow weary of doing good. It's easy to slip into the flesh and do bad. And it's also just easy to grow weary when you're helping others and doing things and doing ministry just to get weary. So what you sow, that you also shall reap. And here's a great old song probably from a century ago that talks about that. Sowing in the morning, sowing seeds of kindness, sowing in the noontime and the dewy, waiting for the harvest and the time of reaping. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Sowing in the sunshine, sowing in the shadows, fearing neither clouds nor winter's chilling breeze. By and by the harvest and the labor ended, we shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Going forth with weeping, sowing for the Master, through the loss sustained, our spirit often grieves. When our weeping's over, He will bid us welcome. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. And I just want to mention, you know, back in when this song was written, everybody knew what a sheave was. We don't know that too much today, but that is the seed head 
of like the wheat. That was the wheat seed head. And so you're bringing these sheaves in, you're bringing in the, what, the things that you've sown. And if you've sown good grain, it comes back as good grain, good heads of grain that you're bringing in. I was sitting here thinking about that the only, funny, while we were singing it, maybe the, one of the only people that would understand it totally would be Raymond Stoltzfus. I was thinking he's one of our listeners, our buddy from Pennsylvania, from Lancaster County. So Raymond, if you're listening this evening to this podcast, hey, we love you, we miss you. Don't come yet. It's still hot in Texas, but we look forward to seeing you. It may be down in the fall. Let's go straight to our uh, passage for the day, Sandy, and I'm going to read the first paragraph, then you read, and then I'll, I'll read. So, brethren, or I tell you, you start it off, if you would. Okay, okay. And then I'll go there, and then you go there. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass or sin, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness and humbleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. Let's kind of start with that, and we'll go tonight differently. We'll just go paragraph by paragraph. So we see in, first in Galatians 6, verse 1, Brethren, even if anyone is caught up in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself that you too will not be tempted. I just want us to talk about it as we go, but when I see this, you know, I think about how... First off, Paul was talking to a church that had become very legalistic. And if you've ever been in a legalistic environment, it's anything but gentle. It's usually met, met with harshness. I talked last week about, even as a boy in, our, in my own home church, uh, things kind of got crazy and legalistic to the point where if, if a kid's hair was too long, they would come down in the middle, if they noticed it in the middle of the service, come down and escort the kid out. Harshly, that, that's not gentleness. Paul is talking about doing this thing in a spirit of gentleness. And we need to remember that, you know, that's how the Lord corrects us. If we got what we deserved, probably it would be like Ananias and Sapphira, Sandy, where we would do things and a bolt of lightning would hit us or the mm -hmm. ground, ground mm -hmm. would open up and eat us. But God doesn't do that. God, God deals with us gently. Uh, and, and there's some verses about that that we'll talk about in a minute. But Paul begins talking about this. What happens if a brother or, or a sister, you know, is caught in a trespass? Um, being caught in a trespass, uh, I think recently maybe Tyson uh, asked me, is there a difference between transgression and sin? And I looked into the uh, meaning of the words, and there's really no difference. Um, maybe at some point in Greek history, a transgression meant when you had a known boundary and you went beyond that boundary and did it, I don't know, it doesn't matter whether you knew something was a sin or didn't know it was a sin. Paul's talking about when someone in the fellowship does something like that that's a sin, we're called to handle it in a very, very uh, gentle way. And he's talking to mature believers when he says that. He says, he says, you who are spiritual... Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. You know, I don't tend to be, I guess, a gentle person. 
And even this morning, this the Holy Spirit convicted my heart. I had to do some correction of somebody in the church, I thought. Uh, turns out that they were just sick, but I they, they weren't at men's group, and they had committed to be there. And I like to hold people to their commitments. So uh, I, I went and approached them, and, and it was really nice having studied this because I approached them in right. a gentle way instead of, you know, going, hey, where were you? That kind of thing. And remember, Paul talked about the harshness that goes on in a legalistic atmosphere. We talked about it last Sunday. In legalistic churches or legalistic groups or assemblies, people eat one another up. And Paul said, don't fall into that lest you eat one another up. And that's what he was talking about. Paul's telling those of us who are mature in the faith, we should govern the church with grace. Talking now to the older people maybe listening to this, have some patience. Let's have some grace when it maybe comes to young people that we think are being too rambunctious or rowdy during services. You know, let's just remember how gracious the Lord has been to us and be that gracious to those that are under us. You know, God's moving and he's working through us and it's not always a clean operation. <laughs> That's what I was thinking of. Having a church is not a, a tidy, simple thing if we're really living and being the church, and that's what we're supposed to be. His conviction is gentle, and uh, we shouldn't give up on each other in, in our fellowship because God has not given up on us. And I want to remind you, there's a scripture in Romans 2, 3 through 4, where Paul's talking about how we're brought mm -hmm. to repentance, mm -hmm. and he actually says it is God's mercy and kindness that leads us to repentance. And so he's telling us that we're all prone to the same weaknesses. You know, when we begin to minister, there's a natural tendency. If you're ministering to somebody, to look down on them maybe or, or to, to denigrate them. I use that word a lot where you're talking down to them. But even a brand new Christian can, the Holy Spirit can speak to a brand new Christian. You, you don't have to have walked with the Lord for 40 years to, to receive uh, maybe uh, an insight or something from Scripture, and he speaks even through, through babes in Christ, okay? I'll, uh, you notice that particularly someone uh, maybe who has overcome an addiction to alcohol, you know, just can't tolerate someone else that may be in, in the fellowship that might uh, have a problem with alcohol. You see it with ex-smokers, you know. Uh, there, there's a certain harshness they have on those who have but they've given up smoking and then they're kind of like angry at those who can't or something. Do you know what I'm talking about? And Paul's just saying, don't go there. We may not have the exact same temptations as those that we're ministered to, but we are also very weak. Well, and I think this steps also into this boundary of, there are so many political opinions out there right now and some people are very violent about their opinions. And it's easy to fall into the trap of being violent back and really accusatory and everything else. And what we, what we need to do is we need to be better than that. We might not agree with somebody's political stance, but we need to not, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Make not everything degrade a battle. Them, yeah. Not degrade them, not, um, yes, not make everything a battle. Even when other people are trying to make everything a battle, that's when it's really hard. But the, the more noble thing to do is to keep to your own self and not fall into the way that people are striking out. Don't, don't, don't reply in kind. Then in two, he goes on and he says, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. How is it the law of Christ to bear one another's burdens? Well, to me, um, I guess back in my 20s, I just had this vision that we 
as Christians are like a path or a road or a roadway to Jesus's cross, the cross of Christ. A road that's rough and with pitfalls in it and bumps and rocks, it's not so easy for, one, for a person to get from point A to point B. So we have to be submissive. We have to be submissive to the Lord and really allow our lives to be a smooth path that people can walk on to get to where we want them to be, which is to the feet of Jesus at the cross. You know, the thing I think of on bearing one another's burdens, fulfilling the law of Christ. Remember when the lawyer came to Jesus, he said, well, what's the greatest law? And Jesus said, it's to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So, you know, for it, when we're bearing one another's burdens, we're doing exactly that. We're doing exactly what Jesus said was the greatest law. And then in three, uh, verse three, he says, for if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. To me, that's kind of saying, reminding all of us that we're really nothing when we think we're, <laughs> when we think we're something. Well, when I was taught about this in my youth, we were taught that instead of comparing yourself to anyone else, you have to compare yourself to Jesus and his record and what he does. Don't look at your neighbor and say, well, they might, I might smoke, but they're over there drinking, so I'm better than them. I mean, you can't compare yourself to other people. You have to look at Jesus to compare wh where you are, and you're never going to measure up, and that keeps us humble, and it makes us not so eager to accuse somebody else of talking too loud or, you know, whatever we accuse other people of doing, not coming to church enough or whatever. But um, we just have to look to Jesus to be what we compare ourselves to, and that will keep us humble if we do that. Right. I, I've, I've told the group, I said, you know, don't be in the habit of looking down on people or looking way up to people. I mean, be respectful. But where you think you're nothing and somebody else is something, because people will always disappoint you. But just realize that we're all broken vessels. And what's amazing, we can rejoice that God uses weak vessels like you and me. You know, we talked in that, we were in that little group of Crimes County ministers last time. We're just all little broken vessels who are trying to be pastors or are pastors to little congregations. And it's the same with you guys who are out there ministering to the congregation, you know. Uh, when you go to do ministry, guys, that means serving others. Don't be too impressed with yourself. I always kind of try to keep a detached feeling about it. I stopped, right. stopped by today to help somebody who needed some help with groceries and just, just do it, help and, and don't, don't make them feel down, down about it. And don't you feel haughty about it? We right, just right, bear because, one another's burdens. And what we get comes from the Lord. What That's we right. have, if we have anything to give, if we've got the energy to help somebody dig their ditch out or, or whatever it is we have the energy to do. It's because God saw to give us that energy. There's, there's nothing that we have that we can claim is generated in us and we're so all that, you know. We, everything we have is from the Lord and what we have belongs to the Lord. We're the stewards of it, but we can go and help people in these different areas where they need help and we need to look at us helping them as God working through us, and we cannot hold that glory to ourselves, or we're going to end up in trouble. Well, verse 4, sorry, um, that kissing you heard was me kissing the prettiest little dachshund in the world. But each one must examine his, or I'm going to say her own work, and then he or she will have reason for boasting, and will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone, and not in regard to another. 
for each one bears his own load. I think Paul's just saying there, hey, we all got our own problems. We all got our own things. We all have our own kind of hardness in life. I had lunch with Kelton yesterday and he said something really interesting. He said, well, you know, we all live a hard life. And I thought, no, we don't. And then the more I thought about it, we do live a hard life. I said, I mean, each of us, because we each have a journey and we can't really identify with the problems someone else goes through because they're our own, our own problems. I was saying, yeah, Kelton, I guess even Queen Elizabeth has had a hard life. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. she's Queen of England, but yet she's had this hard <clears throat> life of the burden of being Queen of England, you know? Hadn't gotten to have a just a regular life, but the Lord gives us strength and in each of us just to, to deal with our own load, and He's going to give us what we we need to get through that load. I'm gonna. Well, and I want to. I just want to sure. point out that in verse two it says, "Bear each other's burdens." In verse five it says, "Everyone will bear his own load." And I'll tell you what, y'all. There's enough load for us to be to do both of those things for us to help each other with their load, and to help you know, and to do what we need to do towards the responsibility of our own load, it, it, there's plenty. It's not a contradiction. It's how to help each other be the best that we can be for the Lord. Let's go on now in, in verse 6, and I'll read 6 through 10. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Then he he adds to it this wonderful saying, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Paul's saying here that everybody is taught by somebody. And he reminds us to share what you can with others. You know, uh, we're, we're supposed to support those who minister to us. And in my own case, you know, my tent making might support me financially, but some of y'all make a real point to affirm Sandy and I and to validate our ministry. Uh, a couple of y'all almost every Sunday send us an email after services that go, wow, thank you for once again dividing the word for us and presenting the word. You do not know how much that affirmation right, means. that actually means a whole lot to us. Sometimes I take a nap and get up and go, wow, look at what this person wrote. You know, And, and it just kind of gives you encouragement that somebody cares and someone appreciates it. And others, I, I can think of some who come out and help me on my ranch. You might bring me a cup of coffee. Uh, some of y'all have helped us with a foundering horse or brought us a donut and a cup of coffee or just showed up at our house with something. And it really, really means a lot to us. And that's the kind of way that we're to honor and treat those who feed us spiritually. Right, and, you right. know, And, 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 it, and it, uh, that's what Paul's saying there, I guess. You got anything to add to that? That's on six? Um, just that, um, well, basically, that's, that's, I'm sorry, I'm a little bit out of, uh, <laughs> Okay. No. What she's trying to say is we're moving on to seven and eight. Yes, we'll move so, on to seven and eight. And if the thought comes back to me, I'll be glad to interject it. So, Paul, this is the most one of the most wonderful words in the New Testament. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. And I say, whatever a woman sows, that's what she's going to reap. Paul dives into 
this whole idea about not being deceived, you know, God takes note of everything. Whatever you're sowing and whatever you're planting, that's what you're going to reap. Um, and I thought about it uh, as, as I was writing out the sermon, Sandy. You know, if you plant corn, you get corn. Right. If you plant beans, you plant beans. Usually if, you have, if, you're, if your seeds are true. <laughs> and, and this is kind of an interesting thought. What happens if you don't plant anything? Just the weeds grow. Weeds grow up. And even if you plant corn and beans and you don't tend the corn and beans, weeds grow up. Right. And that's the way our flesh is. It always defaults back to weeds. Yes. And so think of the corn and the beans as sowing things in the spirit, you know. But the flesh is like the weeds, okay? And they're still going to try to take over. It's a wonderful metaphor, guys, for what's going on in the spiritual realm. If you plant nothing in your life spiritually, let me tell you, the weeds of the flesh are going to take you over. And like I say, weeds in a garden, you know, we, weeds that grow in a garden, that's exactly how it is in our life. If we don't sow to the Spirit down in our hearts, we're going to produce all these weeds and negative stuff. If you sow to the Spirit, and we talked about that, you know, the fruit of the Spirit the other day, we studied all of that last week on Sunday. It, it means that if you spend time in the Word, you're reading the Bible, and you're seeing what God desires for His children, and you spend time maybe listening or fasting, saying, Lord, how do you want to apply this to my life? Then you're sowing to the Spirit. And it's amazing to me, and we talked about it at the Grimes County Ministers. Yeah, uh, that, which is where we were last night, the dinner for them. Yeah, and, and, and one of the pastors that was there just weepingly said, I don't even know how to make, how to get my people to pick up their Bibles during the week and read a piece of God's Word. He said, and I've been in ministry for decades. You know, so we as pastors don't know what we have to do to light a fire under our congregations to get you just to pull your Bible out just the same way you have your coffee in the morning or something and look at it as a life and death situation. Right, right. Because it's spiritual life and death. As you read the Word, guys, and listen, God will whisper to you and nudge you and produce good fruit in your life. And I, I might suggest, I might suggest spend as much time in the Word as you do reading the news. Yeah, yeah. Or, or Facebook. Or as you are, if you're spending an hour on Facebook, hey, you better be in the Word for an hour on uh, in the Word for an hour to counter whatever garbage you're going to get on Facebook. And and Paul and and then this whole idea of sowing and reaping, guys. If you sow to the flesh and all of its desires, that means you give into it and you feed it. You're going to reap the deeds of the flesh, and that's what we looked at for the last two weeks. Remember what sowing to the flesh mean you know means. It means letting your spiritual self go to seed. That's how I thought of it this morning. Mm -hmm. It's yielding to that default position in you that pulls you towards immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, uh, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. In other words, your life will be filled with rottenness as you pursue pleasure and self. Remember, guys, this is the bottom line. You were born with three needs. The need to be loved and accepted, to have value and worth, and to have an identity. And whenever you try to fill that with anything but the Lord Jesus, it will end in conflict and frustration. And as I was reading and studying this passage, um, what struck me was this up here. It says, don't be deceived, up in verses 7, yeah, seven, and, seven eight. and 8. <clears throat> don't be deceived. God is not mocked. <clears throat> Before it even talks about what a man sows, he will also reap, okay? You can't fool God. 
Um, and you might think that, I mean, you can fool people for sure, but you cannot fool God. And I just want to remind you of that. And what happens when we plant a seed? We take, we take seeds, we bury them in the dirt and cover them up. Can you see anything yet? No, it takes a while for our seeds to bring forth the, you know, the plant and then the fruit. That, that comes later. And so we can do a lot of things where we are planting seeds, planting seeds, and we don't see the fruit. Now that can be a bad way or a good way. You don't see the, when you're kind to someone, you may never even get to see how you changed that person's life and they decided not to kill themselves or whatever. But on the other hand, you plant, you know, these bad seeds in the ground and nobody can see it. Nobody can see what you do on your computer in the middle of the night. Nobody can see that but you. But don't be fooled. God knows what you're doing. And I'm not trying to heap guilt on anybody, but we don't realize how important, how bad certain behaviors we have are in taking our quenching the Holy Spirit in us and taking us away from the pure food that God wants to give us and the pure life that God wants to give us. And so I just want to point that out. The seed is covered up, and you may think nobody knows what kind of seed you planted, but eventually it's going it, to it sprout will come forth. Up. Yeah. It will come up. So really, if we're to summarize uh, what we've been going over these last couple of chapters is we're in a tug of war, remember. And you're pulled by influences. Uh, you're influenced with the world, the flesh, and the devil, your own flesh. We've talked about that. Or you're influenced by the Holy Spirit that's within you. And um, remember what James tells us. He says that if you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. He says, submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. And it takes the self-control that we read about or studied Sunday that's in the last fruit of the Spirit uh, You've got to have the self-control to pursue a path of holiness. Say, Lord, I need this. Lord, I need this like this is the air I breathe. I love it when we sing that song mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because, you know, he is the air that we breathe. And he's who we need in our life. Then we go to verse 9, and Paul says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due season, due time, we will reap if we do not grow weary. Man, it is easy to lose heart. You know, it is very easy to lose heart, lose heart and just say, why am I doing this? Or we've heard those ideas about no good deed goes unpunished, you know. Uh, and, and I was thinking about that last night, and I thought, you know, the world says no good deed goes unpunished. You know what God says? No good deed goes unnoticed. Ah, yes, that's beautiful. So any deed you do, the king of the universe takes note of it, and he knows about it. And I know that right now some of y'all are have grown weary, you know, you've grown weary. You're you're tired of the isolation of COVID, and, and you're tired of the political situation. And I'm going to tell you, don't grow weary of doing the right thing. Speak an encouraging word to people. It's easy to grow weary, you know. It's easy to grow weary in these times, and it's easy to grow weary when you're helping others. Uh, and that's what Paul's, excuse me, that's what he's talking about. Don't lose heart. Don't grow weary. And then he says. While we have opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of faith. You know, we are to do good to all, but especially to the household of, the fa of faith. We have people in our, uh, in our uh, congregation who have gone through hard times and sometimes don't have groceries. Guys, it's our duty. 
it's our duty to one another to make sure that people have got food to eat. You know, maybe not our duty to pay for your cable TV or your satellite internet, but there's basic needs that we're to look after each each one another. And in a, it's especially the household of faith. Yeah, we're to have generous hearts to those that we meet in the world, but and, and you know why we, we're, we're to be this way with the household of faith? Because we're family. Right. You take right. care of your family. Well, you know, my daddy taught me that. And it doesn't mean don't ever help somebody that's not a Christian or whatever, but it means we need to be watching over each other in this fellowship and helping to meet. One person can't meet all the needs of another person, but you can do a little bit here and there, even if it's just being kind, listening to their problem, or whatever it is. Sometimes it won't cost you anything except your time and your care and just to, to show somebody that you love them. But then beyond that, it doesn't mean we don't go out to the others. We don't go out and, um, you know, put an arm around somebody that is not part of our fellowship, but that you know they just need encouragement. You know, uh, and, and it takes all of us. Uh, somebody asked me this morning, hey, have you called Diane to let her know she's missed? And I'm thinking, well, why can't you call Diane and let her know she's missed? We all need to contribute and help and look after one another and say, hey, I've missed seeing you. Uh, miss your face. You know, the pastor cannot be the, the go-to for everything. Right, and that's how the body works. We're all intertwined. Um, I don't like to say spider web, but it's like that. If one... If one little thing gets jiggled, it's the whole body that gets jiggled. And so we have to try to help keep the whole uh, of our Christian body intact. So, so you guys, you know, if you're missing somebody, you're missing seeing someone in church, get on the phone and like call them. Rick Maybe Bossom. the Holy Spirit's putting it in your heart. Right. Somebody call Rick and check on him and find out how he's doing. And yeah, let's just, let's just realize we're a body of Christ. It's not just the pastor who's supposed to go do everything or should do everything because we... We're encouraged when, when, I don't mean we, but all of us are encouraged when we see the body working the way that it's supposed to work. Then Paul kind of begins to wrap it all up and he says, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. That's kind of weird when we first read that. He says my own hand. Remember that Paul wrote through, I learned this in seminary from Dr. Wicker, something called an amanuensis. He had a little writer that sat there and wrote. They, right. He had like a, a secretary, a stenographer that he would dictate his letters and somebody would write. Maybe because he had a problem with his eyes all along. Um, maybe that's why he wrote him these large, right. large and letters. We, when we went to Greece, um, the, the tour director in Greece told us that in these areas where Paul was, there was a lot of malaria. And that uh, some scholars in Greece think that Paul might have had malaria and that that had affected his eyesight. And so that's why he needed someone to write down the letters that he dictated. And that's why when he closed and he wrote with big letters, it's because he was going blind. Well, yeah, very much so. But anyway, he also wrote at the end of a lot of his letters just to show, hey, it's really me, Paul, writing this. It's not a, a fake or a forgery. Right, so and, they could know for sure. Yeah, and they him. could go, oh, well, we recognize his handwriting. And then he says, those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised simply so that they will not be persecuted for the cause of Christ, cross of Christ. Go ahead and read that. Okay. For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves, but they desire to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. And that's the way a lot of people are. They try to make you do something that they're not willing to do. Or they're not doing. 
you know, like for them to come to you and say, well, I think you need to give more money to the church. And what they don't realize is they, they're not giving as much money as they can. I'm just using that as an example. I'm not trying to, it's just, it's easy for people to look at somebody else and try to get them to do something that maybe God's convicting their heart of. Especially if you're a person that's eaten up with legalism, that's just more focused on what everybody else is doing or not doing. Right. And then in 14, he says, but may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world, for neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And those who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. And that's the end of his letter. And the big overriding message of the Galatians, remember, was that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And we need to remember that too. Let's sing a couple of verses. Let me just point out this one thing, because sometimes Paul puts these things in there and you're like, you're scratching your head going, what does that mean? When it says that he bears the mark of the Lord, what what happened is in that day when there were when there were slaves they would get a tattoo or a brand that would identify them with their master that they belonged to their master here paul is saying that the things that he encountered the persecutions he encountered for the lord had left scars on him and he counted those scars as his identifying marks that made him belong to jesus and i just think that's very cool when I survey the wondrous cross on which the time together. Lord, guard our little congregation at Union Grove Baptist Church of Whitehall. Thank you, Lord, for giving us a place there in the grove where we can worship you and lift up your holy name. Lord, continue to watch over every member, every friend of Union Grove. Lord, I continue to pray that not one of us would get the COVID, Lord, and we've prayed that. And Lord, you've spared us even from any sickness other than a couple of little minor sicknesses that people have had. And Lord, we give you praise and honor and glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We love you guys, and we'll see you on Sunday.